Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. It's good to see everybody's face, smiling faces this morning. Some of you I haven't seen in a while. That's fun. Uh, we do have a lot of people out today. It's a ho- first holiday weekend of the summer, and it's sunny and warm, and I know folks are out enjoying that. We had a fun weekend ourselves. It's I shouldn't probably tell you, but I'm going to tell you. It's my wife's birthday. Not today, but Friday was her birthday. So she's 39. And we had a fun family weekend together with everybody over, so that was really cool. Um, let's see, I was going to tell you a couple other things. One is just a mask update. So uh, I shared last week that uh, we we are one of a number of entities that use this facility. So in addition to our friends, Christ the King, who, by the way, today is their first Sunday back live in whatever, I don't know, 18 months or something. So yeah, really a joy. Bless Pastor Dorothy and and the folks there. So they're back live today. But in addition to those guys, there is a Spanish-speaking congregation that meets here on Saturday night. Uh, Red Cross does a blood drive in this room every week. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meets here every day. There's a preschool that meets in this room and that room every day, Monday through Friday. And I think I'm forgetting somebody else. But all that to say that uh, our hosts have asked that we kind of be consistent across the board with all those different groups meeting. So they've asked that we continue to wear masks for a couple more weeks. So that's what we'll do just to uh, to be gracious guests. Um, so Father's Day is the 20th of June, I believe. So the 13th will be our last Sunday that we'll require masks. Um, let me just say that we'll, last Sunday we'll require masks. If anybody is uncomfortable in it for any reason, you're welcome to continue to wear. That's perfectly fine. Uh, no, no problem there whatsoever, but that's the last day we'll require it. Um, and I would just again encourage you, uh, you know, if you have convictions uh, about vaccinations and so forth, we understand that and totally respect it. But if you do not, I uh, just encourage anybody who is who is able and doesn't have medical reasons not to, to go ahead and, and, and do that uh, just for the protection of those around you. Uh, I, I'm one of those people who never got vac- vaccinated. I never got a flu shot. I never did any of that. Not because I was against it, just because I never get sick. I, you know, I don't get sick. I, so I thought, well, I don't need to get it. But then when our grandkids uh, were born and they have uh, compromised immune systems, I realized, oh, I have to be mindful of those around me. So I've been uh, more conscious of, of doing stuff like that on behalf of others recently, and I would just encourage you guys to do the same. All right, I think that's all I got as far as news and information.
Um, I might remember something else later, but if I don't. Uh, we're, we have been, if you've been with us or not with us, uh, studying the book of Ephesians now for a long time, and we're, we're pressing on, but we'll, we'll be in Ephesians probably uh, for at least a few more months uh, at the rate we're going. Chapter 4, we've been talking about the worthy walk and really living a lifestyle that balances out with the truth that is in Scripture and in Jesus. So we see one so, sort of uh, reality in Scripture, and then we have our lives. And do those things balance? And that's really what Paul's talking about here in chapter 4. And much of the focus thus far has been on the body, on the, on the corporate reality of the church together, how we relate to one another, how we grow together, how we live and walk together. Today's passage, uh, he shifts gears a little bit and puts the focus on our individual responsibility as believers. And, uh, you know, as, mu- as much as here especially, we focus a lot on, on the corporate dynamics of the church and on how important it is to uh, to walk our faith out together, but that said, there 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 is an individual dimension, an aspect to our faith. Uh, that that's a reality, um, and, and so in this passage, Paul focuses a little bit on that individual reality, uh, and he contrasts. Today, we'll look at uh, the the Christian life with what he calls the Gentile, or what we would call non-Christian or unbelieving life, uh, focus specifically on how we think, uh, our thought process. And this is an important dynamic throughout Scripture uh, that we'll, I think we'll see today, I hope we see. And what he says about the Gentile way of life, or the, again, non-Christian way of life, is that there is a futility of thinking. And um, I want to clarify, make sure, I, I think we understand this, but I want to make sure that, w- that we understand it, that when Paul talks about a futility of thinking, he, he's not talking about um, how smart someone is, or their, their IQ level, or anything like that. Uh, this is not a measure of intelligence, uh, but it's a measure of purpose. Uh, what he's saying is, in a futility of thinking, uh, those outside of relationship with Christ have a different focus and a different purpose, not that they're any less intelligent. We said last week the literal translation of truth, when we speak the truth in love, is reality. Uh, so the translation of futility would be unreality. Those outside of relationship with Christ are, are living their life based on a thinking that doesn't have the reality base of the truth of Scripture inherent in it. So our title this morning is, I Think, Therefore, I Am. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the next few verses. Father, thank you so much for this, this beautiful day and, and every opportunity that we have to come together, uh, to worship you, to fellowship together, and really to look into your word. I pray that you would strengthen and enrich our lives uh, through your word today, and you would bless those that are at home this morning, uh, and, us, and also just bless those that are out uh, hiking or walking or doing whatever they're doing today on this beautiful day. Uh, we're still connected. We're still your body. We still love you, and we still follow you together. 
your name we pray, amen. So our, t- our title, uh, I think, therefore I am, of course, if, you're, uh, if you've heard that before, is a quote from Rene Descartes, who was a 17th century philosopher, interesting guy, kind of a uh, God-fearer. I don't know if he was really a Christian or not, but he certainly understood uh, that there, were, there are forces beyond us. Um, but the truth is, that particular phrase, he ripped it off from Scripture. Uh, that concept... Uh, that uh, our thinking ultimately plays out in how we live is is prominent throughout Scripture. Um, we'll look at some New Testament passages later, but even in the Old Testament, um, Proverbs 23, Proverbs being kind of the book of wisdom, the whole chapter, chapter 23, is just illustration after illustration of this principle. If you think this way, this is what's going to happen to you. If you think this way, this is what you'll do. And he goes over and over and over and says that. Um, but but there, are, there are any number of testaments uh, or testimonies in Scripture to that idea that uh, our thinking, uh, the way that we, uh, you know, consider life ultimately plays out in our lifestyle. Uh, you know, we, as I think, therefore I am. So let's, let's look at the text and talk about it. The first uh, couple of verses, I'm going to break it down. We're going to go through verse 24 today, but we'll break it down little by little. So chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. I I, I love it. Paul is, uh, he's serious about this. I tell you, and I insist on it in the Lord. Kind of like he's playing the Jesus card there. Um, but the point is that he, that he is uh, adamant about, about this particular dynamic. Um, we talk about the futility of thinking. I think we understand that, okay, so, so our thinking leads to action, but it doesn't actually begin here. It begins here in our heart, and that's what Paul tells us. And, and we might say, our heart, not our physical, not, not the muscle that pumps blood, but our heart being the seat of our, our spirit, kind of our, the center, the core of our being. In our, our, our spirit is connected to our thinking, and that leads to our behavior. So we talk in, in Christian, Christianese, Christian terms, about having a hardened heart. And again, that's not a hardening of the arteries or something that's going to lead you to a, a heart attack, physically speaking, but it will lead you to a heart attack, spiritually speaking. When we, when we harden our heart, um, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into that place of truth and, and a lifestyle, ultimately, that's transformative and glorifies God. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this a lot this week and, and just kind of going over history and, and my own life. I, can I give you guys a little pastoral advice today? Are you up for it? Sure. You guys are so kind. Thank you. Amen, brother. Uh, 
you know, the more you resist the Holy Spirit, the better you get at it. It's just true. Uh, and and I, so I would say this to you. If, if you sense in yourself that you're becoming insensitive to the leading of the Spirit in your life, and, and, and you know, and I say that out of experience. There's been times in my life when I know that I've become less sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. I, I, I want to encourage you, exhort you, and insist on it in the Lord that you do everything you can to counter that. And whether that means opening up and sharing with some people that you're close to, that you know love you, getting prayer, um, doing... We all tune into God in different ways, whatever it is for you, you know, worship, corporate worship, individual worship, reading, walking in nature, praying, however you get back to that place, do it, get, go there, do that. Don't allow your heart to get harder and harder. Um, stir that sensitivity up afresh again. And, and this is why the alternative is this. If you don't do that, you, you find this, you wake up one day and you're a long, long way away from God. And you're not 100% sure how you even got there. But the scary part is you really have no idea how to get back. And it is a frightening place. And so my encouragement to you is when you begin to feel that, do what you can to restore that sensitivity to the Spirit of God and don't allow your heart to get hardened. The truth, however, next verse, is that that's not the way you learn. That's not what you've learned, Paul says. We know the difference. Hopefully we all understand that, that, that Jesus, life in Jesus, uh, have nothing to do with that process that I just described. Um, your, your hearts, our hearts, are not hard. Our thinking is not futile. Uh, when we, you know, you have good thoughts, uh, positive thoughts, gracious thoughts, loving thoughts, uh, and, and we, we're not controlled by, by negative thoughts, futile thoughts, and our lives then are, are glorifying God. That, that's, that's, that's not where we are as, as followers of Jesus. So, so how does that happen? Go to verse 21. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. We, we realize that there's truth in Jesus. Good morning, boys and girls. Um, behind all sin, and it doesn't matter whose life, it's in a believer's life or a non-believer's life, behind all sin, there's a deception. And, 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 and that's that's historical reality. That's the way it's always been. If you go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, you know, the, uh, the serpent lies to Eve. And, and he lies about who God is and about who she is. All right? And he paints this false picture of God, and he paints a false picture of her. And, 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 he, and he says, in effect, this, you know, you're not, you're, you're not okay. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not good the way you are. You need to improve yourself a little bit. You're somewhat inadequate. Uh, and that's the same lie, the same tactic the enemy's been using ever since. Any, anybody? 
yeah, uh, you know, you're not good enough. Oh, you're right. Maybe I'm not. See, behind every ungodly thing that we do in the course of our life, there's a deception in our mind. Um, so conversely, we know this. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the image of God, the Word of God, the exact representation of God. And so, likewise, as He is the truth, the truth of who you are is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus says, and if you go back to the beginning of Ephesians, Paul clarifies, he starts there and then moves into this application session, section, but, but he, he says, when you believed in him, you became blessed, you became whole, you became righteous, you, 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 know, you, you, you became clean. All of those things, that's who you really are. That's who you are. That's the truth. It, it's not what the enemy tries to tell you. That's who you are in him. So that truth goes from our heart to our mind, and then it works itself out in our lives. How does that happen? Next, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your former way of life was marked by deceitful desires. Now, there, there's, I think, two dimensions of deceitful desires. One is, inside of us, we have desires to, to not walk in truth, but walk in deceit. And often those are really that whole thing of trying to be someone we're not. But where that comes from, I believe, is those desire, desires were placed in our heart out of deceit. They're the enemy coming to us and deceiving us to think that we're not good enough. And so without Jesus in our life to guide us, we buy into that whole thing. And then our lives are marked by, uh, you know, negative thinking, by, by judgments, by criticism, by, by uh, anger and by unforgiveness and by bitterness and by all the stuff that, that causes us to not feel good about who we are and so then project onto other people that they're not good enough either just so the tables are, you know, the things, it's even. And it becomes a, 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 just a really a self a, a broken, self-centered existence that's not healthy in any way. So those are the characteristics, Paul says, of the, the, the futile, uh, unbelieving life. And his instruction to the church, to you and me, is to put that off. Just put it off. It's like an old coat, you know, just take it off. Uh, and we'll, we'll come back to that, the coat idea in, in a minute. But understand this, that when we the, the the moment the second we come into relationship with Jesus the old thinking process that pattern uh, that we've lived under is is at that moment rendered old it's it's no longer effective and and Paul says in other places other scriptures we know it's it's not only just old it's dead it's crucified with Christ you know no mas uh, it, it's 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 done over it's not here anymore um, but we have to put it off so, and so the question, in my mind, <laughs> is if, if it is dead, if it's old, if it's, if it's no longer valid, if that person that I was is not who I am, if that was crucified with Christ, if I'm a new creation in Christ, why do I have to put this off, and why is that so hard to do? <laughs> yeah, amen, right? Um, 
know this going in. Okay, let me just state the facts. That old person has has no rightful claim or legitimate claim on you whatsoever. Okay? Just know that, okay? Jesus said, here comes the prince of the world. He has no claim on me. And so know this, that if you're in Jesus, he also has no claim on you. All right? But we can sometimes kind of hold on to that. And that's where it's a little bit like that old coat. You know, you ever, you buy a new coat. You love your new coat, but you don't throw the old one away. You kind of hang it on the rack. And every once in a while, you go, hey, there's my old coat. You put it on. Oh, it still fits. It's stained and it's frayed and it's maybe torn. But it kind of feels good. I sort of like my old coat. And and I, I think that's what we do with that old life sometimes. Verse 23 says, make new the attitude of your minds. You know, the whole process of making new the attitude of your mind, it's so interesting. When I was a kid, young young whippersnapper, you know, I, I, my pastor taught us to, to memorize Scripture, to meditate on Scripture. And I used to have these three-by-five cards in my car, or in different places around the house, and I would have a verse or a passage, and I would memorize that, and I would work on it for a couple days, and then I would switch to a new one, and I would go through these things and memorize this scripture. And then as I got older and more sophisticated in my Christian experience, I thought, wow, why do I really need to do that? That seems kind of, you know, mundane, kind of routine, kind of, you know, I, I got a Bible here. I can read it whenever I want. I go to church. I don't need to do that anymore. But the truth is that that process really is helping. It's not just memorizing those verses. When you're doing that, you're actually renewing your mind. You're, you're, you're putting new thoughts into your mind and putting old ones off. Some of us fall into a pattern that I like to call stinking thinking. And we think negative things. And when we have that, the, the, the scripture, we have the renewed process in our mind. It puts off that stinking thinking and helps us come into a place of, of much more productive, healthy thinking. And so all that to say that the key to transformation is not working really hard to do better in life, to change your behavior. And I think probably, you know, most of us have fallen into that trap at some point in our life. Uh, you know, we, we know we're not where we want to be with the Lord, so we just try really hard to do better. And the harder we try, it seems like it just doesn't really work. But the vehicle of transformation really is in our minds, it's, 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 it's beginning to think about life differently. So I want to just kind of conclude with a few uh, New Testament uh, verses that would sort of correspond with that. So go ahead and go to the first one. This has always been one of my favorites, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. 
by the renewing of your mind. In a simple sentence, that's everything we've talked about. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, here would be, I think, a modern-day application of that scripture is uh, don't let TV commercials define you. If you believe the commercials, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not cool enough, you don't drive the right car, you don't wear the right clothes, and you don't drink the right beer. And so so you need to change all of that about yourself if you're going to be okay. Yeah, don't buy that. Uh, you drink any beer you want. Renewing. The process of reading your mind, too, and I want to say this, it's not a one-time deal. We don't do that once and then it's over. It's like I said, as a kid, you know, memorizing Scripture, well, that process, and it doesn't happen just through memorization, but just that renewal, that mind renewal process is ongoing. It's, 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 it, we, we do that throughout the course of our whole lives. Next verse, 2 Corinthians 10, boom. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So look, let me the whole thing, the, the essence of spiritual warfare is right between your ears. I, you know, I, I I'm sorry. But I read these books about spiritual warfare and tearing down strongholds and all this stuff that's taking place up in some third dimension or something. I'm going, no, dude, it ain't up there. It's here. It's right here. You know, um, take every thought captive. This to me is the primary discipline of the Christian life is, is learning to to renew our thinking uh, so that we no longer are in conformity to what the world tells us we're supposed to be, but we're transformed. And, and, and that breaks down, that breaks down the strongholds. That is the essence of warfare. The battle really to me is won or lost right here in how we think. Finally, brothers, next verse Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He actually gives us a list of things to think about here. Uh, you know, you might do this. I don't know. It could be fun. Uh, take a piece of graph paper or, you know, whatever, and write down those categories at the, at the top of the page. Lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, uh, Right, true, and then just what what things are under that category? Think about that, and 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 begin to just transform how you think about those things. And I think you'll find yourself in a place of victory over not only the thought process, but ultimately how how that's worked out in the course of your life. So, Tuck, if you want to come back up. So, la last thing is this: um, our heart, our mind are really the key to behavior. We, as human beings, have a tendency to act. Our behavior usually, very often, is controlled not by our heart and our mind, but our feelings. And it's interesting to me, in Paul's writings, not all of Paul's writings, he doesn't say much. In fact, I don't think he says anything 
about our feelings. Our feelings, though, are the most vulnerable part of who we are to the enemy and very often are the point of, our, of attack. You may have noticed that if you walk with the Lord for any time. When you come under attack, it usually begins in the realm of our feelings. So conversely, those feelings are oftentimes the last thing to go in terms of that old self. Uh, we, can, we can begin to put off the old self, but sometimes we still have feelings uh, that are consistent with the way the old self was. So, so the point is this. If you allow feelings to govern your life, You'll, you'll never be able to really fully walk in the reality of the truth of who you are in Jesus. Growth comes when we think and act on truth, not on how we feel. I hope that makes sense. If we think and act consistent with the truth, I, I guarantee you 100% money back promise on a swear on a stack of Bibles your feelings will follow. Your feelings will change. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.